We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Inspired by the presence of Captain Jack Youngblood, playing in pain with his broken leg. A savage ram defense. They hand it to Steven. Great jump cut. 45 seconds. a whole burst to it. 20. Side steps a tackle. Runs back. 25 still on his feet. 46-yard goal by number 39. Running back, number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker, a high school quarterback, is going to throw. The fake is on it. He's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones made the tackle. And the Rams have won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Rams Talk Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo. Flying solo today, but getting ready for the Rams Seahawks playoff game this weekend. And also bringing guests later on, Mike Dugar from the Athletic Seattle. Comes on, gives us some great information, some great feedback, and we're always glad to have him. He's a fun guy to have on the show. Also, going to talk a little bit of Rams news and notes. Before we do, I want to ask you to head on Apple Music today, please, and leave a five-star review on the app. Really appreciate it. If you, wherever you listen to us, please subscribe. Really appreciate it. And also later on, you know, if you love part, love sports, love betting, check out our sponsor a little bit later in the podcast. We'll talk about them. All right. So moving forward here, some Rams news of note to talk about before we talk to Mike Dugar. A lot of things kind of happened this week. Cooper Cup's off the COVID list. Michael Brockers just just got announced. He's off the, the COVID list. Hope he'll be good to go this weekend. Oh, and Andrew Whitworth's back. He's been freed from the IR. He's playing this weekend. Now we're waiting on a word on Jared Goff. That's going to be interesting. Geez, Turf Show Times has put out something just what, a day ago talking about how Rams fans prefer John Wolford or Jared Goff. That's Interesting stuff. Jared Goff is questionable. Sees me throwing okay in practice. We'll see how that works out. Um, I don't think the Rams really want to let anybody know how how this is going to go down starting-wise until the very end. We want to give the Seahawks very little information as possible as they prepare up there in Seattle. Also, 
Rams uniform combination. Bone jerseys, blue pants. That'll be a first-timer. See what else here. A couple other things. Isaac Bruce, our Hall of Fame wide receiver, talked about telling TMZ Sports he, he would trade Jared Goff for Deshaun Watson. That's fascinating. Fascinating. And that would take a little bit of work. Okay, also, see here, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, all pro team. Does that surprise anybody at all? Anybody? Anybody? I don't think so. Okay, matter of fact, Aaron Donald is unanimous. So that's all the quickie news and notes before we get to Michael Dugar. Before, one more thing before we do, I just want to make a quick point here because I'll be remiss if we let it go. Would you trade Goff for Watson? Would you? And what would it entail? Because it would require a hit on the cap when the Rams already have some cap issues going into the, to the winter. That's something to think about. I'm going to talk with, with Michael Stewart about that next time, next time we meet, maybe in a couple of weeks. We'll see. But I want to try and think about that a little bit. Saying that right before a game, you know, Isaac Bruce has never been shy about saying his thoughts and his opinions. You know, it's, it's a good uh, listen if you go check out where, you know, at TMZ where he said it. I just am wondering, I'm wondering, you know, what the Rams might do at this point with Jared Goff because there's more and more buzzers, more and more pressure on him, but yet he's still signed long-term. There's, there's cap things involved. And wouldn't all, wouldn't all this stuff talk now? This is, couldn't this make things worse in terms of pressure on him? I don't know. I'm, I'm, not the, I'm not the guru here in terms of the man in the office, but those are just thoughts that kind of cross my mind as we look forward to the big game tomorrow. I can say this, that there are concerns about Jared Goff. We've been addressing them this year and a little bit last year, actually a lot last year. Uh, we usually, in, in the past, have defended them, given them the benefit of the doubt. But, I mean, five years in the league now, you, you kind of have to make the move. Who are you? And uh, we, I'm wanting to see that. I, I, I think he has such great, just great gifts as a quarterback. But there's the, it's the downsides, the, the negatives that we need to see more growth in. I think any, everybody would agree. I think he'd agree on that, quite frankly. I don't think we're wrong for pointing that out. So can that happen? Is he capable of that? Is he... Is he able? Does he have the, the ability to read defenses better? Does he have the ability to make better decisions, to be a little more poised at times? Because sometimes he is poised, by the way. He'll take a hit. He'll make a good decision. And then he'll shock you. So I, I can't tell you. I don't have an answer for that. But that's the problem. We don't have an answer for that. So I'm waiting to see where we go with that. All right, before we move on, just want to talk about our sponsor, my bookie. Too much of anything is bad, but too much sports is barely enough. With that in mind, say hello to the new year for an expanded NFL playoffs, the BCS Championship Games, return of the NBA, the NHL. This is truly a great month to be a sports fan. So I always tell people to head on over to my bookie if they want to add a little excitement to the sports they love and the games they bet. We here at Rams Talk Radio don't use my bookie because some corporate overlord told us to. We use them because they are the best. They'll hook you up with a 50% discount bonus up to a thousand bucks when you sign up, and they'll keep the good times rolling giveaways. Free bets and huge contests all year long. It's simple. Sign up, enter the promo code RAMSTALK, and get your deposit matched halfway up to 1000 bucks. Here to my bookie today and start off the year 2021 on the right foot. This year, bet with the best. My bookie. Okay. With that, all that said, all that said, let's talk with Mike Dugar over there at The Athletic Seattle. Good guy. 
All right, folks, I'm here with Mike Dugar from the Athletic Seattle, also host of Seahawks Man to Man podcast. One of our more fun guests to have on the show, knows the Seahawks football. Mike, how you doing? Good, I'm good. I was uh, pouring over some film uh, when you called, getting ready for DK Jalen Ramsey round, was this round four, uh, I think? fun. <laughs> Oh, round three this year, that's for sure. The And I saw you already posting some clips on your Twitter feed, so go check that out, folks. He's at Mike Dugar on Twitter. And these two teams just faced off two weeks ago. The Rams got hit hard with COVID and injuries in the last two weeks. But here's the return match. And just with your film today right now, how's it looking for you? Uh, I was just mostly focusing on – I actually went back and looked at – Jalen Ramsey's year uh, in particular, and I wanted to see how he kind of locks up bigger guys. So I went and rewatched the Bucks game um, against Mike Evans. Rewatched. I just finished rewatching the Bears game because Allen Robinson. He didn't really follow Allen too much, uh, but I thought it was useful. And then I watched the first game against the Cardinals just because I didn't really feel like going through the second game because of whoever the hell was starting at quarterback or who was playing quarterback, Chris Trevler or something like that. I was like, I'm not watching. I'm not watching Nick Foles and Chris Trevler back-to-back. I deserve better for myself. Uh, but it was really impressive. Jalen, it helps that Jalen's really big uh, as mm-hmm. well. I think, I mean, that's not breaking news, obviously, but it's one of those, when you watch, you see how the size comes into play. It just makes the window so much tighter. Um, it makes the quarterbacks think about everything. Like, And then he's so strong, too, so – even if he gives up a little five yard hitch or whatever, he's probably going to make the tackle. You're not getting the first down. Like it's really, it's really impressive uh, how how well he plays the big dudes. And I was like, you know, let me see what a little smaller guy does, just in case he might have matched any. I went and saw the schedule. Like, oh, let me click this Bills game and see if he matched on Diggs. Didn't really, uh, but Diggs got him for a touchdown. That was just just nasty. Uh, and then I remember that Stephon Diggs is the best route runner in the league, so that explains that. So when you look ahead to this weekend, based on what you've seen out of the Seahawks the last couple of weeks and what you've seen in this film, so the Ramsey, how do you expect things to go on the, on the edges there, on the outside? Yeah, I don't think it'll go very, uh, very different than it has the last two meetings. Because uh, there's, that, there's that first meeting in 2019 when the Seahawks got smoked. But I think DK had like 50 yards on Jalen or something like that, including a ball that went over his head on a double move. Um, but I don't think uh, – so what really works well for the Rams and why they're so uh, built to beat the Seahawks is that to beat their coverage, you need them to be like undisciplined, which they were against the Bills. That was terrible. Um, and then you need them to um, – you need your quarterback to get on the move. A lot of the plays Josh Allen made in that game, there were so, so many big ones because Josh moved – and their safety play was bad. I think Taylor Rapp was starting uh, in that game. So it was a combo of things. The problem with uh, playing, the Ra- playing the Seahawks is, well, if Aaron Donald's just living in the backfield and tackling Russ, well, it doesn't matter. He doesn't have time to move, and the discipline's really good on the back end. Um, so I anticipate, actually, other guys having really big games because um, that's what I noticed in this as well, is that the underneath stuff is there. So whether it's a tight end or running backs or in this game probably be like a Tyler Lockett, um, type like that underneath stuff is going to be there. It really just matters if the Seahawks are willing to take those six yards, seven yards, five yards gains all the way up the field and then score in the red zone. That's basically what it'll come down to. But I don't see anything that'll change between DK and Jalen specifically just because 
the two things that get Jalen, what it looks like, is guys who can go get a ball, like high point it, and guys mm-hmm. who are shifty. And DK is neither of those things. Uh, not to say he's not a great receiver. Those are just two specific skill sets he does not have. You know, that's what, like, Diggs has. That's what um, Devontae Adams has, Adam Thielen, some of those guys who aren't big. Um, but they high point balls and they're super shifty. So I don't think nothing will change in their particular matchup, but I just think the Seahawks will be able to move the ball. It'll have, just have to be mostly underneath. So the running game for you right now, the Rams have been tightening up. I mean, this, this defense down here has overachieved my expectations. They, I didn't expect them to be uh, number one in the league in points allowed. Didn't expect a lot of things from this defense, quite frankly, considering the linebackers were a train wreck in my view. Well, proven wrong. I mean, it's happened a lot in the last couple of years, unfortunately. But how does the Seahawks offense, one, protect Russell Wilson better than they did two weeks ago? And two, how's that running game going to work? It's really uh, watching. I didn't watch a ton of Rams plays um, just now. I have before. Um, in terms of the run game, and specifically just because I, I like to see how their pass defense is so great. But it is really uh, amazing, the numbers at least, um, how well they are against the run in those two high shells because you would think that it invites, you know, some bigger gains. And I'm with you, the linebacker play isn't, like, outstanding to the point where I would think that, you know, they'd be so as good against the run, you know, as they are. But, again, having a good front uh, does help, have a really good front. Um, but I like to see off front, too. So I would expect the Seahawks to actually have a bigger game on the ground than they did the first game. Or, yeah, the, uh, excuse me, not the first game. The most recent one. Uh, I think I don't think Chris Carson had a super big day. Um, I don't believe. I, I could see him having a bigger day, especially if Seattle has its full, healthy starting five uh, linemen, which they should. They've been missing Mike Ayupati, uh, their left guard. They've been missing right tackle Brandon Shell. Both of them should be back this week. So that should help. A little bit, and then that'll help the other part of your question too about the pass pro. Um, Mike Ayupati is a better pass protector, I think, um, than uh, Jordan Simmons, the guy who's been in, in place of him. And I think Brandon Shell, better pass protector than Cedric Abui, who has been in place of him. So I just thought, too, I think those two things, uh, just having those two guys back, I should say, are really going to help both facets. Because again, with the Rams, if you want to run the rock, you got to have your, you got to have guys who can come off the ball. And then if you want to throw it, you've got to give your quarterback some time because your first read's probably not going to be there. These guys are looks they looked a lot more disciplined in the second half uh, of the season than some of the plays I saw in the first half. For instance, one play I think it's like a 59 yard touchdown that the Cardinals tied in. D uh, D Hop is matched with Jalen. D uh, Hop comes across the field. Whoever is the safety I can't remember doesn't realize that they have to go fill the void that Jalen leaves. Following D Hop, boom, tight end, twenty yards up and down the field. I didn't see players like that in the second games in the second half of the season. A lot more discipline. So you need your O line to be solid, and that's really hard to do when you got Brockers coming at you and Leonard Floyd coming at you and Aaron Donald coming at you. So you need your O line to be tip top, and this is probably the first time in a long time that Seattle should have that. Yeah, see, if I just said, and I, know, I mean no offense to anything in Seattle, um, they. Where do you see them right now? Because from my outsider point of view, I see the Saints kind of peaking right now. I see, uh, I see Seattle kind of good. They're good, but they're not really blown anybody. Though they're not scaring anybody. At least on the outside looking in. Where do you 
rank them right now? Can, are they able to make it deeper on the playoffs? Able to, for sure, because I think Seahawks have a really high ceiling. And how you feel about the Seahawks entering the postseason depends on what you choose to focus on, the floor or their ceiling. Their floor uh, is pretty low because of the offense can be stifled at times. They've had games where they score 10 points or, you know, look, just look generally like crap in one half of the game, whether the first one or the second one. Um, against the Rams, it was like the first one versus uh, the Washington football team, it was the second one. So mm-hmm. because that's kind of their floor, I guess Arizona, or excuse me, San Francisco in Week 17, it was the first three quarters. They looked like crap. Scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter, won the game. Uh, because that's kind of their floor, it's very easy to figure that, well, against a better team, they will sink. That's fair. Also, the more optimistic view is, well, they have Russell Wilson. The defense is playing great. If Russ figures it out with a pull ball receiver and another 1,000-yard guy in Tyler, they should be fine, especially with the healthy O-line. I'm, as I should be, somewhere in the middle um, there. I think that there are two bad matchups for them, like two teams, I don't know, like, wow, you guys are in trouble. And I would say that's the Rams with Jared Goff um, are one, and the Packers are the other. So if they get by the Rams, which I think they should, especially if um, the Walford, Walford guy plays, uh, on Saturday, then the only bad matchup is Green Bay uh, because Green Bay is just ridiculous. Um, so I, can they make a run? Certainly. It just really comes down to obviously beating the Rams first, but then avoiding Green Bay at all costs, especially having to go to Green Bay, which is basically uh-huh. a college town with a pro team in it. Um, <laughs> so I think that that's, that's their main path. That's most teams' path, but I think there's some teams that Green Bay can lose to before. Like if Green Bay has to, for some reason, play, you know, New Orleans or something, or, or I mean, they could lose to the Bears, I guess, because it's a rivalry game. It's not not looking great, but like Tampa, maybe. Um, so you ne- you never know. But in general, I think the Seahawks do have a really high floor, but I I just can't project that they'll be the best version of themselves at this time, especially on offense. So I'm somewhere in the middle, just like, hey, Russ, if you can beat the Rams. Avoid Aaron Rodgers, and maybe you can get where you want to be. Now, when you're when you evaluate the Rams, where do you view them? You know, when it comes to this Saturday's game, what kind of how do they beat the Seahawks? Well, I think the the formula is there because it's there in most of their games, and it's score on defense. <laughs> <laughs> These guys score on defense. I swear, every other week, it's really ridiculous. Like watching some of the games. I'm not watching the tape of the defensive scores necessarily, um, but like, I see them on the you know on the screen when I'm scrolling through. I'm like, dude, what? Another pick six? Another scooping score? Um, like it's really, it's really impressive. I mean, that's the key there because touchdowns are just so hard to come by. I mean, unless you're the Chiefs, like for the most part, you get three touchdowns in a game on offense, you're probably going to win in the playoffs. Like for the most part. So if you're the defense and you get an extra one you're almost certainly going to win. I don't really care who you're playing. So uh, that, that would be the formula. I, wouldn't, I mean, the offense has to do its thing, too, um, make life as easy for whichever quarterback they have. That's like Sean McVay's thing. It's Kyle Shanahan's thing, too, because both their quarterbacks think. But both of their defenses are super lights out. And so I don't know. If I was a defense, I wouldn't like – they're in a tough spot, the Rams defense, I mean, and that you got to play discipline. you got to read your keys. you got to do your assignment, shoot your gap, like – you don't want to try to do too much. That's when you get burned. But mm-hmm. they should also have in the back of their minds, like, hey, guys, 
keep it on the low, our quarterback stinks. So let's try to score on defense to help them out. Like that should be their game plan uh, this week within the scheme, within the the, uh, the plan itself. Like I said, as soon as you try to like jump an out route, trying to be too aggressive or shooting the wrong gap, um, that is how you will get burned, and then they'll lose. But if they score uh, on Saturday, the Rams defense—they, I think that'll be the one big play that tips the scales in their favor. So we're looking at the quarterback play right now. Jared Goff, we're still waiting on word right now. We're still waiting to see if he will play. John Wolford did fine for what he is on Sunday. Right now, how would if you're Seattle, how are you preparing for two different solid quarterbacks potentially playing this weekend? So the, the good news for Seattle defense in that regard is that, as Bobby Wagner noted uh, this week, it's the playoffs. They ain't about to just turn into a new offense, no matter who's the quarterback, right? They're not just all of a sudden going to run the veer, you know, because they have Wolford and go back to running the air raid or something with golf. Like, that's just, you have to do what you are good at. Like, you can tweak stuff, which they will, but no team's going to come in there and just be completely different uh, in the postseason. So you watch the same film. Um, the bad news for the, the Rams' offense is that Wolford, nothing he does on Saturday will be a surprise because of the film that they put out there uh in week 17. Like, Arizona probably was caught off guard, especially with, mm-hmm. you know, John's wheel, right? That was probably like, oh, damn, he can move. Um, Bobby Wagner said earlier this week, like, yo, we just saw him move. I bet you that now they're going to put in some design runs. So now if you're Sean McVay, it's like, well, damn. Like, we can't even... The element of surprise is really what you need in this instance because your guy is so green. But now you don't even really have that. Uh, you know, so I think um, using his leg still is the way to go, though, because that just because of how defenses read their keys and stuff like that's the one thing that's hard to account for on any given play is a scramble or, you know, a design run. That's why I'm surprised the Arizona offense isn't much better because they have Kyler. Um, but anyway, that would be, that should be the goal. Like use John's legs if he has to play. Like hopefully that doesn't get him hurt. Uh, but I mean, Hey, he's the backup playing in, playing in the playoff game. Like you just got to go for the gusto and, and tough it out. Um, but that that would be kind of how I approach it. If you have Goff, I mean, it's just it's the same thing as usual. Try to make easy throws for him and get a lot of yak. That's it. Get the ball to Cup. Hope he makes someone miss. Get the ball to Robert Woods. Hope he makes someone miss. I don't know if Cup's still in the COVID protocol, but if he plays, that should be the plan with the running backs as well. Like that, that would be like the ideal thing. And if Jamal Adams does, uh, then you should have some mismatches on some tight ends because I think that the Rams tight ends are really, really, really good and they create like huge mismatch problems to the point where when I watched some of the Jets games they lost, I think one of the final plays was a deep ball to Gerald Everett, and I don't think people in L.A. were a big fan of that. I watched it, and I was like, oh, yeah, no, I, Gerald Everett's really good. Throw it up to him and see if he makes a play. Um, I, I, would, I could foresee them doing something similar if the Seahawks don't have Jamal on Saturday. What's the story on Jamal right now? You know, it's, we're in a weird social media age today where Jamal is so active every day, usually, with her, whether he's just thanking Jesus or just, like, tweeting about life. He hasn't posted anything since he hurt his shoulder on Sunday. And that's not, like, definitive by any means. But when you're dealing with 24-year-olds with smartphones, it kind of is. Um, so that, that's kind of ominous there. Uh, he didn't practice uh, on Tuesday. My guess, and I don't have any insight on this. I haven't made any phone calls. My guess is that he ends up playing with a lot of pain on Saturday. I mean, his shoulder might feel like it's falling off after the first quarter. 
but he tries to tough it out because it's his first ever playoff game um, against the team that originally hurt his shoulder the first time in week mm-hmm. 10. That's my guess. Um, would he even make it to the game like that? Probably not because, I mean, he won't be able to tackle, I would assume. But uh, that, that's my guess. That is my guess. And if not, they start Ryan Neal, undrafted free agent, I think is in like his third year, who they started earlier in the year when Jamal was out. And he, Ryan played fine. He, he's, he's not the, the game-breaker Jamal is. No one is, really. Uh, but he's solid. He's pretty consistent. Um, doesn't make a lot of mistakes, which is good when you're a safety. Um, but my, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking there's no way in hell they'll give him whatever drugs it, it takes, uh, legal ones, uh, to get him on the field on Saturday. <laughs> Nice little, nice little slide in there. So, just about the game itself, I, I know I felt a little bit slighted. I mean, this is a, this is always a fun game. Seattle and the Rams are just always a fun game. It's not, it's not even the the highlight game. It's not the primetime game. How how are folks in Seattle liking them? We're going to watch a the Washington Redskins play on Sunday night. I'm sorry, night. What? Well, for Seattle fans, depending on what happens in the Rams game, they probably won't give a damn what goes on in the following game. They'll either be, like, too hammered, passed out uh, <laughs> because they're celebrating or too hammered, passed out because they're mourning. Like, I don't even think they'll really give a damn in that regard. Um, but, like, we're so used to not being, and we, I mean, just people who grew up in the Pacific Northwest, we're just kind of used to not having that that spotlight anyway. Like, that's just kind of... The thing, you know, if the Seahawks are in the one o'clock uh, Pacific time window on a regular Sunday, and Dallas is as well, Seahawks know damn well they ain't getting the America's Game of the Week on Fox. They know that. And even if Dallas stinks, they did this year, it'll be Dallas. Unless the Seahawks are playing Dallas. That's it. They just know. Green Bay, the same way. Philly, um, all of those teams, all those NFC teams that got those deals with Fox. That's just kind of, you know, how, how it works. And which is okay. Like, all you got to do is win because everyone here knows that. You definitely get on national TV when you win. Uh, so if they win uh, on Saturday, they'll watch whoever the hell plays in that in that uh, Saturday night game, which I do think will be semi-interesting at least in the first half. That is until the Bucks defense starts to figure out um, starts to figure out Alex Smith, and then he dies or something. But I think it's when the for the most part Chase Young in that front can get to Brady because Brady Brady is about as as mobile as a car with no wheels. So. They got a shot early, but I feel like eventually they'll just score a bunch of points and it'll be a wrap. Well, I'm just thinking about, you know, this being the, the Rams going on the road, you know, in Washington State, night game, I would think that'd be more of an advantage for Seattle, a little colder. You know, you know, they'll arguably have the, the 12th man there in the stadium, so that would bother me if I were a Seattle fan that we didn't get prime time, we didn't get to have a little more of an advantage, you know, when you're playing, you know, in Washington the seven and nine gets the, gets the night game to bring a cold like a Florida team up in the cold. That would be kind of a that would be annoying to me, honestly. Yeah, no, I hear you, but it's also Tom Brady though. Tom, I mean that's that, that, that changes things. I mean, you got stars galore in the Seattle game, stars galore. So this is no, that's true. I mean, for, for my own schedule though, I'm not I'm I'm not opposed to the one p.m. kick. <laughs> that definitely gives me a little bit more of my day. Um, Absolutely, to do so it gives me more time to report and then put out the story. Whereas if they if they kicked at five o'clock Pacific, five fifteen or something like when they play Monday night, it's so hard to write the day of the game because like everybody sleeps. Uh, 
So, and, and if they are awake, they're probably not reading stuff on a Saturday night, like, you know, nine or 10 or however long these damn Zooms take. Uh, but yeah, no, they should, Russell Wilson should be in prime time as often as possible. Like he's, this league has decided to, you know, invest in quarterbacks from a marketing standpoint and they should do everything they can um, to like keep it that way and like build the brand. That's why, as an aside, I thought it was really dumb that they uh, didn't fulfill John Elway's request and let the Broncos play their game on Sunday when, or on the next day when they didn't have a uh, quarterback. Because it's a quarterback league. Like, sure, by letter of the law, no. They shouldn't, you know, make exceptions for any one position group because you're setting a bad precedent. But when you have made clear your company mission to value this particular position more than anyone else, you would think if John calls and hey, we ain't got no quarterback, can we play on Monday? Say, yeah, sure, John, because we don't want to put Kendall freaking Hinton on, on CBS, you know, in, in the 4 o'clock window, which they did. Well, yeah, it's annoying as a heck. All right, man. Do you have a prediction? Want to make a call? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll make um, I think it'll be low scoring again. I would probably say, like, you get 17-13 uh, Seahawks. This is assuming that, let's see, that's assuming Jamal plays and Jared Goff does not. I don't think, if let's say both of those things are wrong, say Goff plays and and Adams does not, I don't think that changes the outcome. You might just see more points uh, from the Rams. But I still think the Seahawks win. Gotcha. I mean, on my side, I don't know, to be honest. I, I, I think back to how Seattle's defense played against the Rams just a year and a half ago, and I look at it and go, you know, Seattle's defense has gotten a lot better, and they're matched up very well against the Rams right now, especially if Goff cannot get deep. And that was something we saw out of Wolford in the play calling for the Rams. They went deep against the Cardinals, and we've been complaining about that all year. And Goff is just a bunch of dick and duck a good part of the time. Intermediate passes sometimes, rarely goes deep. And that allows defenses to to just kind of collapse it on you. And that's the reason why Goff is in trouble a lot. So seeing that change in the Cardinal game, even though the scoring wasn't there, you know, I'm not sure how the Rams are going to match up right now. I mean, match up a little better for them if Adams doesn't play. Adams has been uh, amazing. What a, what a find for Seattle, getting Adams, by the way. My gosh. Yeah, those are the moves you got to make if you want to go to the – Go to the Super Bowl. If you don't, well, those are the moves you got to make if you want to go to the Super Bowl and you haven't drafted well in about four years. Like that, those are the type of uh, players you got to spend big on. And uh, yeah, no, he's he's the type of talent that can push you over the top. And you look at the first Rams game, him chasing Joe Henderson down from the backside like that on the goal line. Like those are the type of players you're like, okay, cool. That is why we got you here because it's not the margin for error is so small when the teams are good, right? Sometimes it is just like that PBU you get. Or that that tackle just short of the sticks, you know, like that. It's it's not always a pick six or a, or a turnover. It's just like you're so fast and so strong, you increase our margin for error just by being you. And those players cost money if you don't draft them. Um, Seattle pay for it. Well, uh, I'm going to find out here. Okay, Mike, where can people find your work? Because you. I mean, you do some good stuff out there, man. You're always busy. You were hard. You, I couldn't catch you last time you were busy. So glad we got you this time. Where can people find your work? 
Yeah, no, last last game I think it was the I think it was the first Rams game down in LA and I uh I, I went down to LA. It was actually my, my girlfriend's birthday that weekend. So uh brought her with me, so that's why I wasn't I didn't have no time to do nothing else. Uh but uh you can find my work at the athletic. Um you can also just go to my Twitter at Mike Dugar, always posting stuff there. I always have my podcast pinned to the top of my profile too. And in my bio on Twitter, my author page link is there too. So if you want to just look for just my stories, like my Twitter is a kind of a one-stop shop in that way. Uh, awesome, man. Thanks so much for coming to the show. Thanks so much for us the lowdown in Seattle. And, and I hope you enjoy the game on Saturday night. Uh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, I got to tell you that I really enjoy Mike. We, gotta have, we have to have him on again next year no matter what. In terms of this game, I was doubtful then. I'm doubtful now in terms of even who who to say I think wins this game. I think Seattle's playing a little better. They still they're they're not scary by any matter by any stretch of the imagination. They don't they're flawed. They still have some gaps. As much as we can't seem to stand Pete Carroll, he's a heck of a coach. He's proven that. And Russell Wilson's an elite quarterback, and now he has some talent, especially in the receiving core, that can dig him out of problems. Running backs are a problem for him. So I think the big matchup for the Rams is going to be up front on that D-line. Can they create pressure like they usually do on Russell Wilson? But two, how will that secondary handle business? We know where the linebackers are going to be. They're going to be, they're going to be iffy. We, we've been, that's the weakness of the defense. Of a very good defense, by the way. But those corners, those corners have to be on their game this weekend. The scheming, Brandon Steele's done a great job. I think, they'll, I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be interesting. The defense has to hold. I think Mike's right. Turnovers will matter. Can, they, can the Rams score on defense? They've been successful all year. We'll see. Offensively, what can the Rams do? I think the key for them is up front the offensive line. No matter what they do, they have to control the tempo of this game. They have to control time possession. They have to really kind of maul this defense. The Seahawks defense, last time out, did a great job of defending the edges, making it difficult for the Rams to really do anything outside. And when they are able to do that, the Rams are kind of forced into a box that's not where they want to be. Remember, the Rams are in trouble if they can't get to the edges. Another factor, if John Wolford starts, which we're waiting to see, what does that mean for the offensive game plan itself in the throwing game? Is there a lot of faith there? We don't know. We're going to find out. We're going to find out really quick, actually. And in the meantime, there's one more factor. The Seahawks special teams, very good. The Rams, not so much. Could that be the, could that be the game changer? Coaching, if we're looking at the, the matchups here, the coaching matchup, it's kind of hard to say because the Rams have done very well against Seattle in the last few years. They have. But you know what? Last time out, that should have, to me, was a better matchup. This team, this Rams team, in my view, is a, is a little more talented than the Seahawks. But yet... The Seahawks are playing better as a team. That makes you wonder what the Rams will do. That makes you wonder how they're going to match up with that. Can they rise to the challenge? We're going to find out. Will Coach McVay be able to adjust when things aren't going his way? We criticize him a lot for some of the decisions he's made in the red zone. The red zone offense has been absolutely a struggle for much of his tenure. We sometimes ignore that can't do that against Seattle. You're only going to get in the red zone so many times. Our defense has gotten that much better since early in the year. Adjustments. We know the defense will adjust, but every defense is human. They will tire out if the offense does not carry its weight. 
The pressure is on the Rams offense tomorrow. They have to make it work. And they have to make it work getting some guys back, but still limited in their running running game. Daryl Henderson is a big piece. He's out. Cam Akers is not going to be 100%. Malcolm Brown is Malcolm Brown. What can the Rams do to produce? We're going to find out. And we're going to find out pretty quickly. All right, when it's time for us to go. It's time for us to get out of here. Before we leave, I would be remiss if I didn't take a follow us on Twitter at TalkRams. Follow us on Facebook. We have a group too, Rams Talk Room. Follow me on Twitter at DC Paul. Follow our other staff members, including Mike at 1Dude23, Steve Ribeiro, and of course, Johnny at Johnny5.6. We'll talk to you after the game. Have a great one. We're out of here. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.